Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody, welcome to What Culture Gaming. I'm Scott, all by myself on a Saturday doing the news, but you know, needs must when Jason Schreier drops a new report for Bloomberg, uh, something regarding just what the hell was going on with Cyberpunk 2077 across the last few years. Um, well, there's quite a lot to pick apart, and I don't know about you, but I've been waiting for something like this. Um, someone who could talk to the various members of CVPR and just say, look, from you, from you guys' point of view, what the hell happened? Um, and so Schreier has put together this report based on talking to 20 members of CDPR. Some of them are ex-devs, um, some of them being part of the team still, um, all asking for anonymity, or the majority asking for anonymity, so they can dive into this stuff. Um, and the results are pretty insane. So there's quite a lot to break down here, but the entirety of the report can be sort of boiled down to a few specific bullet points. Um, so let's break this stuff down. First off, the huge thing, the game was third person until 2016. Um, the main takeaway point across the board is that Cyberpunk's main development didn't start until 2016. Obviously, the game was announced way earlier than that back in 2013, um, but Shire notes and the devs sort of talk about that in 2016, that was when studio head Adam Badowski came in and overhauled the project. Um, until then, it was very much discussed as being another third person game um, in the vein of The Witcher 3, um, and apparently that, apparently that clash between veteran studio members, veteran and devs um, that worked on The Witcher 3 uh, with Badowski, that didn't go very well. Uh, Badowski wanted it to be in first person, obviously that change happened. Um, some of the people that worked on The Witcher 3 left CDPR over this, um, and assumedly that was why they had a big spike in negative reviews over on their Glassdoor page, um, which, you know, kind of, ex and plus the timeline kind of explains why the hell it was in such a state. So. Yeah, I always wanted Cyberpunk to be in third person. I always hoped that it would be a Cyberpunk version of The Witcher 3. And it seems like that was what The Witcher 3's main team was trying to give us until they were, you know, completely had the legs cut out from under them. As part of that overall process, Shrya does note that features that were originally envisioned, like wall running, flying cars, car ambushes, were cut along the way. And um, he does say that this obviously isn't atypical for game development, you know, cut features happen all the time. Um, but quite shockingly, um, the another massive point is that the the demo that they showed off in 2018, the whole behind you know the behind closed doors demo, the one that they said, look, we're not you know we're, we're going to hedge our bets, we're not going to show it to everybody, we'll just show it to a select few different journalists. Um, and obviously the rest of us kind of went, well, can you show it to the world? Because we didn't, I didn't go as as on either side of whatever sort of you know journalist gamer divide. Um, didn't get to go to this thing, and they eventually put it out for the public to see. That 2018 demo was almost entirely fake. So that's great. Uh, <laughs> no, in the report that um, yeah, that it was almost entirely fake, and that after they put that together, they were the uh, devs were obviously told to put that together at the uh, because of management, 
um, because as it comes through in the report, Badowski was sort of, you know, wanted to make sure that the outside world knew what was happening with Cyberpunk more than the reality of what was actually being put together in real time. Um, and so something like a vertical slice demo to show off to journalists and fans around the world eventually um, was prioritized. So after that um, demo came out, and obviously there was a lot of positive press around it, um, in the report, Schreier notes that the devs were the ones saying that was a huge waste of time because that's not what we're actually, you know, we that, that time should have been spent towards actually making the game. Um, something else to throw in is that when they were making the game, this kind of ties in with what Marcin Nowinski said in his recent, um, you know, apology video about the game's technology. Um, because they were developing a new streaming system of how to bring assets in to populate a world, to detail a world. Um, they were developing this new technology alongside making the game. Um, one of the devs in the report notes that it kind of felt like, you know, driving a train as you're laying out the track in front of it, um, which isn't too far away from how Bungie used to describe making old Halo games, um, where you jump out the plane with your um, needle and thread and sort of just stitch a parachute on the way down, and either you're going to hit the ground or you're going to at least mitigate some of the impact. Um, in CDPR's case, you know, they had this whole system of streaming assets in and they couldn't manage to get it to work and it sort of went back and forward. Um, and part of that is when the management then got out there, the, the PR got out there and said, look, we're going to be launching in April 2020. Um, apparently internally, most of the devs thought that was a joke um, and started making memes about it. And it was only a case of waiting until it was until the game was inevitably delayed. Um, internally, they thought that the game wouldn't be ready until 2022, and they couldn't believe that you know the marketing teams or the, the managers or whatever were out there saying, "Nope, it's going to be fine. It's going to come out in early 2020." Um, so yeah, you know, if you pair that with the fact that the game was, like I said, overhauled in 2016, perspective changes, um, perspective first person, third person perspective changes, you can kind of see why it was in a hell of a state, and the devs were just trying to bring it together. Another thing that kind of explains the overall mess that the, the, the dev teams went through is following the departure of some of the Witcher 3 staffers. Um, they, CDPR overall, apparently had a mass, a mass hiring spree um, where they brought in as many sort of different devs as possible, but it resulted in a disparate sort of approach, various different teams trying to bring the game together, around 500 different people in total. Um, but there wasn't very much communication between those teams, and you had a language barrier between the two. Um, Shire notes that they hired a lot of expats from you know Western territories um, who couldn't necessarily speak Polish very well. Um, and CDPR's solution to that was to tell their Polish natives that they shouldn't they should try and speak English in front of <laughs> Westerners as much as possible. Um, but that didn't happen all the time, and that resulted in a lot of communication errors. Um, and as Shire noted on uh, Twitter as a follow up. Um, you know, in some cases, some devs would actually just, you know, they had no, there no way of, of seeing whether or not an asset was already in production, whether or not they should make something like a shader, like a graphical shader. And, um, you know, so they take it on themselves, they make a thing, and then they realize later on that someone else has already done that, and that's already been done X down the line, and they need to figure that stuff out too. So, um, try and notes on Twitter that a lot of veteran developers were just sort of shocked and couldn't believe this whole free-for-all approach, hoping that it just sort of somehow comes together at the end. Um, which is kind of insane. I mean, yeah, it's that's a whole thing. Like, obviously, in the report, it gets compared to other devs were comparing the project to Red Dead Redemption 2 to GTA 5. Um, but obviously, Rockstar's teams are so much bigger. And there's just the fact that, you know, they didn't even until 
further, way further into development, they didn't know exactly what type of game they were making, whether it was a GTA-style thing with a lore system, or whether it was a full-on RPG, or whatever. Um, the police system is mentioned in here too, that the reason that the police AI feels so half-baked is because it was added so late in development, um, literally coming from the fact that most devs didn't really think they were making a GTA-style game, um, you know, until uh, from Badowski or whatever, uh, you know, they wanted that sort of feature put in and it was put in last minute, which is why it's kind of all over the place in the version that you play today. Lastly, it's worth, you know, point, highlighting the fact that obviously, you know, Martin Lewinsky, CDPR's management have got out there many times over the years and said, look, we aren't going to get anybody to crunch. And obviously it came out, you know, last year that people had to crunch ridiculous hours to get the game out, even in the state that we got it at launch. Um, again, that's touched upon in the report that some people were doing 13 hour days, five days a week. Um, that resulted in some people's, you know, losing their families, losing those relationships. It's a horrible thing. That's that's a whole a whole thing that just needs to be completely addressed, pinpointed, obviously going forward. And it's not like CDPR are immune to those issues. Like you know, the idea of crunches, obviously, you know, industry wide. And it's a whole thing. It's a big old thing, and it's not going to be solved with one report and Cyberpunk uh, 2077. But it's worth drawing. It's worth highlighting that stuff. Um, one particular example of just how sort of cut and dry the uh, manager's approach to the project was in regards to crunch um, was one example of a employee saying, look, I don't want to work these extremely long hours um, saying that to a manager. And one of the managers just saying, well, if, if you don't, then someone else is going to have to pick up all your shifts. So are you going to do it or not? And they had to. So it's, it's just that thing. And it's not like, you know, a lot of us have been through situations like that with extremely disconnected managers. But at the same time, it's, it's not like it's not something that needs to be fixed. And it's a pretty egregious example of just keep doing 13 hour days and hopefully it'll work out. Uh, because the final thing here is that a lot of CDPR's management's um, ethos kind of lines up with the way that um, Bioware were sort of handling Anthem. Where if you read Shrya's piece on Bioware and Anthem, they internally, a lot of the veteran devs or a lot of the management were just sort of saying, look, everything's all over the place, but don't worry, the Bioware magic will bring it together. Somehow it'll work because in Bioware's case, in many of their previous games, at the very end of development, they did still manage to bring everything together and, and sell something incredible or ship something incredible. In CDPR's case, they were citing the same sort of mentality, just saying, look, we shipped The Witcher 3, don't worry about it. Apparently a lot of the qualms were sort of just brushed aside when devs said, well, how do we do this? We don't have time to do this. And um, the management would just say, you guys made The Witcher 3, right? Get it done. Um, <laughs> resulting in a just a ridiculous, well, I guess we'll just keep going then mentality. Um, you know, and it's just that, that whole mentality of just sort of falling back on your expected reputation or your expected level of proficiency without ensuring it's actually going to come together. Overall, I think Jason Trier's report is essential stuff. Um, you know, it's not like, I mean, I remain completely, utterly fascinated by everything regarding, regarding every game's development and something as massive as Cyberpunk. I just hope that more and more details come out about it. Um, he notes that he did talk to, like I said, 20 staff members, current and ex, and assumedly there's even more specifics to get into here. Um, but as an opening salvo, as an answer to all the questions that we had, we can now definitively say that Cyberpunk 2077 mostly started development in 2016, was originally a third-person game game and all hell broke loose thereafter so let us know what you think down in the comments below do you secretly hope that they restore something like a third person mod uh, or a third person mode and uh, what do you want to see from the future of the game going forward for now i've been scott from mockculture.com and i'll catch you very soon imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.